The following is a presentation of Tomorrow's World. And greetings, friends around the world. My friends, my own wife died just a few months ago. As we all grow old, many of our friends and loved ones pass away. You all know the old saying, nothing is as certain as death and taxes. It's going to hit us all. Picture the thousands of funeral processions all over the world, for thousands of people die every single day. Most have some sort of funeral and burial. Is a casket or a gravestone the final end for you and me? What will happen to you when you die? What is the primary promise of Almighty God the Creator which He gives in His inspired Word? What about your future? Will all your hopes and dreams perish? Think about it. What does the God of the Bible absolutely promise to those who truly serve Him? Jesus Christ said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. This book, my friends, is the inspired revelation from Almighty God to mankind. I prove that and know the know that I know that. I hope you have. It reveals what God really thinks. It reveals what God promises. Notice what God's servant Job stated as inspired in the Word of God. If you have a Bible, go get your Bible. Prove these things to yourself. Many of you have not fully been sure of these things. Turn to Job chapter 14, beginning in verse 14. If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my service I will wait till my change comes. You shall call, and I will answer you. You shall desire the work of your hands. Yes, God will intervene. He desires the work of His hands. We're made in His image by God. And notice what God says also here in Job 19. Turn to Job 19 and beginning in verse 25. For I know that my Redeemer lives, Job says, and He shall stand at the last on the earth, and after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh, or better translated, apart from my flesh, I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. Yes, we shall see God. Our Redeemer lives. Do you know that your Redeemer really lives? Let me help you to be sure about your actual future. Stay tuned. My friends, the true servants of God know that He will raise us from the dead. Notice what Jesus Christ revealed to us in John chapter 11. Turn to your New Testament, John chapter 11, and let's begin in verse 21. Here was the time after Lazarus had died and his sisters were very troubled. Lazarus' sister said to Jesus in verse 21, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Notice what Martha said. She said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Yes, even God's servants in the Old Testament and before Christ died knew about the resurrection. 
She said, I know this. I hope you know this, my friends. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Christ is our Savior. All things are through Him. He is the resurrection and the life, and He proved it, as we will see, by being resurrected to the extent that literally hundreds of thousands of people begin to know about it all over the Roman Empire. They could not disprove it. They could not disprove the empty tomb. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, he shall live. The truth of the resurrection has always been known to God's true servants. Notice what King David understood, even in the Old Testament. Turn back to Psalm chapter 16, beginning in verse 7. He said, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. David prayed to God, thought of God all the time, even in the night seasons. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, which is the Hebrew word for grave, indicating he knew that he would be resurrected. You will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One, who is Christ, to see corruption. That was one of the special things that showed in the Old Testament. They knew that Christ would be resurrected. Now, my friends, what was the special identifying sign Jesus Christ himself gave that he was the true Messiah? Think carefully, for the entire Christian religion rests on this sign. Wow, what is this vital sign? Turn in your New Testament here to Matthew 12. Matthew 12, read it in your own Bible. Some of the scribes and Pharisees answered Jesus and said, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said, verse 39, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Interesting, the world makes fun of Jonah. They say the whale swallowed Jonah, or, or Moses swallowed his whale. They put together in a humorous way. But no, Jonah had a great special fish that God had prepared. Can God make a fish? The God who made the universe? Of course he can make a special fish. And he did. But this is the sign. He said, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, a special fish, and how long was he there? Not from Friday afternoon till Sunday morning, but three days and three nights which is something a lot of you haven't thought about. The world has done away with that sign, frankly, when you understand it. That's another topic. But he says, As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, in the grave. The resurrection took place exactly three days and three nights after Christ was buried. Wait a minute, the skeptics say. Can you prove that? Yes, if you're willing to be honest with yourself and with 2,000 years of recorded history, my friends, picture the garden tomb where Jesus may have been buried. Think about that. There is a garden tomb as described in the Bible, and I have been there. It's a quiet place. It's very near where Jesus was crucified, as the Bible certainly indicates. But that garden tomb, my friends, is empty. It's empty. Notice the Bible's description of all this. Turn to John 19 now chapter 19 of the book of John, and I want to begin reading here in verse 41. I wish we could read all these verses, but we don't have time. Let's turn to John 19, verse 41. Now, the place where he was crucified, it said, 
there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. You'll notice there wasn't any sunrise service, it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away. And she ran and told Peter, and then the disciples would show did not expect this. They did not know about the resurrection. They didn't believe it yet, even though Jesus had described it ahead of time. They doubted the resurrection at the beginning. In Mark 16, it tells us more about that. Turn, if you would, to Mark chapter 16, and here God tells us that after Jesus' resurrection, Turn to Mark 16 in your Bible, and let's begin in verse 14. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. He rebuked them because they did still not believe. They weren't set up for this. They did not believe. It was forced on them by overwhelming evidence. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he was risen. So he then told them to go unto all the world. They finally were forced to believe. Can you and I be sure? Yes, because when Christ's ministry began, my friends, there was no Christian church at all. And the evidence shows clearly that the early Christians were regarded by the whole world as a misguided sect or cult. They were harassed, they were persecuted, they were killed by the thousands. And history shows that over and over. The early Christians went out and died for their belief that Jesus Christ had actually risen from the dead. For the truth about Jesus Christ and his resurrection was their primary doctrine. They talked about Christ's crucifixion, his shed blood, and the resurrection over and over. I can't read it to you in every chapter almost of the book of Acts for the first 10 chapters at least, it talks about it over and over. The original Christians, my friends, had a remarkable faith, and they had courage. Faith and courage, they were sure. At this point, I want to offer you a free booklet of one of our most powerful, inspiring booklets, and this booklet is entitled Restoring Original Christianity. Restoring Original Christianity. It will open your eyes to what real Christianity ought to be like. Restoring original Christianity will reveal to you many vital truths. Look at this booklet. This is powerful. It will reveal to you many vital truths that modern churchianity has forgotten. So call us or write us today to request your free copy of Restoring Original Christianity. Call right now. You'll be glad you did. You can also order this booklet on our website at tomorrowsworld.org. And you can follow us at Tomorrow's World on Facebook and on Twitter. Today's offer is yours absolutely free. No cost, no obligation. Call toll-free 1-800-718-4800. That number once again is 1-800-718-4800. Call now or send your request to Tomorrow's World. P.O. Box 3800, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28227. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine. 
full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World Magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. Now, my friends, back to our topic, the power of the resurrection. Notice again how Jesus Christ gave a special sign that he was the true Messiah. As I explained earlier in Matthew 12:40, Matthew 12:40, Jesus gave this sign. It's very important. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He was to be exactly that period of time in the grave. He then obviously was to be resurrected at the end of that time. Again, remember the disciples did not automatically expect Christ to rise from the dead. The Bible makes that clear. And yet even secular history clearly shows that hundreds of thousands of people became professing Christians in the decades after Christ rose from the dead. For they were convinced of the resurrection from the dead. This was the key that excited increasing millions of people. Think about it. People do not automatically become martyrs unless they're absolutely convinced of their belief. People have to know if they're going to die for something. You know that. The Jews would love to have produced the body, but they could not. Even the Roman authorities would have quickly squelched this troublesome sect if they could have disproved the resurrection, but they could not. Yet even Jesus' disciples continued to emphasize the truth of the resurrection. They literally rubbed, the, rubbed it in the face of these Jewish and Roman authorities. They had courage. They knew that the resurrection was a fact, and they were willing to die for that. Think about it. These men who had seen Christ after he was resurrected, as the Bible shows clearly throughout the New Testament, they were willing to die for that belief. They knew and knew that they knew. Turn to Acts chapter 2 now. Acts chapter 2 in your Bible, and beginning in verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, him being delivered by determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and crucified and put to death, whom God raised up. God resurrected Jesus, he said, right in their face, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Yes, Peter got right in their face. Notice over in Acts chapter 4, the same thing. They kept mentioning Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. Acts chapter 4, and beginning here in verse 10, Peter said to the Jewish authorities, let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you, you bad guys, he's saying right in their face, you have crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him this man stands here before you whole. This took place. This happened. My friends, picture the glory of the ancient Roman Empire. Even today we have the remnants of the great Colosseum of Rome. We see the remnants of the Pantheon and other magnificent buildings, highways, aqueducts, and so forth. Think of this mighty empire being overrun by the rapid growth of Christianity. This new sect grew and grew. Why? It happened because mainly of God's guidance overall, but because of the radiant belief 
that the resurrection of Christ was real. Thousands of men and women were absolutely exultant about this and began to tell others how Jesus had been resurrected. He has been raised. He's alive. He's alive. The garden tomb remained empty. No one could disprove the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, notice what it says there. 1 Corinthians in your Bible, chapter 15, and let's begin in verse 1. Here is the basic truth of the doctrine of Christ. Moreover, brethren, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received and which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you. Here is the basic truth Paul had preached, and Peter had preached, and John had preached. I delivered to you, first of all, that which I received, that Christ died for our sins. He's our Savior. He shed His blood on that cross to pay for our sins, and we must be everlastingly thankful and grateful for that. He died, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, yes, three days and three nights in the grave, and that He rose again, the resurrection, on the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen by Cephas, and then by the twelve, after that, verse 6, notice, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. Over 500 brethren saw him at once, of whom the greater part remained in the present, but some have fallen asleep. Think of that. All the friends and relatives of these hundreds of people who had literally seen Christ, they had friends, they had relatives, they could have spread that very quickly and began to surge through the whole Roman Empire and the church of God began to grow and grow and grow. And we need to realize how quickly that spread. Notice in verse 41. In verse 41 now, God describes the resurrection here through, through the apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians 15, 41, There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. We need to look forward to the resurrection. If you give your life to God and you mean it and surrender to God, He will let you live forever. The resurrection is real. So also is the resurrection of the dead, Paul continues. The body is sown in corruption, raised in incorruption, sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. We will be resurrected, resurrected, given a spirit body, but our, we will look like we used to. We will recognize each other. We'll get to see our friends again, our relatives again, if they serve their God too. We have to be sure we're going to make it and do our part. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. He said in verse 49, As we have borne the image of the man of the dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Lots of people have thought that the church is the kingdom. No, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. There will be a few a few comparatively, no doubt a few thousand or several thousands who will live right up to Christ's return. I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. 
in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. At Christ's coming, there are going to be trumpet calls, and the earth is going to shake, and every mountain and every island is going to be shaken out of its place. The great God of heaven is beginning to intervene even now in world affairs. If you read Tomorrow's World magazine, you'll see that. We give you the details of prophetic happenings, and you need to understand it's going to culminate in the last trumpet. For at the last trumpet, Christ will come back. The trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So we need to understand the reality of the resurrection. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible, subject to death and rotting, has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then should be brought to pass the saying, Death is swallowed up in victory. We are going to have victory through the resurrection from the dead, which is very, very real. Again, my friends, I want to offer you absolutely free this powerful booklet, a wonderful booklet that's very key to your understanding and being able to enter that resurrection. It's entitled Restoring Original Christianity. The original Christians were radiant in their faith. They knew certain things. You need to know certain things. This booklet will open your eyes in a way that you may not have thought about before to what real Christianity ought to be like. Restoring original Christianity will reveal to you many vital truths that modern churchianity has neglected or forgotten. So call us or write us today to request your free copy of this booklet, Restoring Original Christianity. Call right now. Call right now. You'll be glad you did. And you can also order this booklet on our website at tomorrowsworld.org. And you can follow us at Tomorrow's World on Facebook and on Twitter. Today's offer is yours absolutely free. No cost, no obligation. Call toll-free 1-800-718-4800. That number once again is 1-800-718-4800. Call now or send your request to Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 3800, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28227. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. Finally, my friends, turn with me in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians in your New Testament. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and beginning in 13, the Apostle Paul says to the brethren, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. When people die, we're sorry, we're terribly sorry, but we have a hope the world does not know about. They don't really get it. They don't think it's real. A true Christian must know that it is real. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Some churches make fun of soul sleepers, but Jesus said through Paul, we're asleep in Christ. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means perceive those who are asleep. 
For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. As I explained, those trumpets are going to sound one, two, three, four, five, six, and then the seventh trump, the whole earth is going to be shaken, and Christ will come again. The trumpet of God will sound, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up in the, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then say we go to heaven, but we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. We will be with Christ where he is. And for the next thousand years, he will be primarily on this earth as King of kings and Lord of lords, as the entire Bible explains. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. My friends, we need to be comforted in the right way. You need to believe that Jesus Christ is alive. You need to believe that he is now the living head of his church and his work today, that he really has a work that is doing his work, preaching his message, and proclaiming the inspired prophecies for these last days. You are right now in touch with that work. Think about that. You're right now in touch with that. Jesus said here through Paul, continuing in chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, Concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. It's going to come very quickly. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. People in the world don't understand. They don't believe this book. It's very unreal to them. God is very unreal to them. This thing is going to come on this world as a great shock because they don't know God, but you can know God if you seek God with all your heart. It's going to come as a thief, for when they say peace and safety, the world, suddenly destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. For you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that the day overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light, sons of the day. We are not sons of night or of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep, as others do, but let us watch and be sober. We're to watch these prophetic events, my friends. Jesus tells us we're to watch and pray that we may be counted worthy to escape all these things and to stand before the Son of Man. Most of you know that, our regular readers and viewers, Luke 21, 36. Watch and pray. Give your life to God. Believe this book. Do what God says. Walk with God and put your faith and trust in God for the God of the Bible is very real. Our reward is very real if we really do give our lives to God and obey Him and serve Him. Believe that. These things will happen. Again, call us right now and request this vital booklet and I hope you've already done that but if you haven't got it, request this vital booklet. It's important. One of the most key booklets we have Restoring Original Christianity. It will open your eyes. So, my friends, act on God's truth. God says not the hearers of the law, but the doers of the law are saved. Think about it. You've got to act on what God says. Call now. Request this booklet. And tune in every week, my friends, to Tomorrow's World program. On this program, you will gain precious information and insights available nowhere else Richard Ames and I will give you an understanding of current events and of the exciting prophecies of tomorrow's world. We also invite you to join our fellow presenters, Wallace Smith and Rod King, who will give you special perspective and insight on biblical topics. 
So be sure to join us again right here at this same time. See you right here next week. To view the Tomorrow's World telecast or request today's free offer, visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. And remember to find us on Facebook and be sure to follow us on Twitter. The preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God.